And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis along with my main man, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Main man. like that. That's, main that's man. closer to best friend every, every it's episode. To, it's, it's, as close, it's as close to best friend as you're going to get. Yeah. Main I mean, man. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it for now. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, busy time. Ohio State spring football starts on Friday, March 19th. The Ohio State basketball team is in the NCAA tournament as a two seed. In the South region, they also open on Friday, 3 o'clock tip on CBS against Oral Roberts. We're going to talk about both of those things on this episode. We're going to stick mostly to, to spring football, but I think we'll, we'll dive into the tournament uh, just a little bit. And I apologize in advance. I always go back and forth forth between saying tournament and tournament because I can't fully break my East Coast accent. So What's the, when that what's the Philly way of saying it? Tournament. Tournament. And it's Tournament. tournament. It's tournament, but I yeah. For up until I was like twenty five, I would say tournament. Now I think it's weak that you try to break the accent, dude. Embrace the Philly. I mean, you embrace it with every food choice you've ever made on the road. Why don't we embrace it with the way we talk? I'm just going to refer to everyone listening as "use guys" from now on. Yeah, for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I was listening to Meek Mill today, and I felt like I was from Philly. So let's keep it rolling. Um, I was listening to Meek Mill too. I was listening to Flamers. Flamers (laughs) one. so what basically is going to happen is when we get to the basketball segment, I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions, and then yeah, you yeah, yeah. Them. I figured that yeah, yeah, I figured that's how we do it. But I um, watched I Ohio picked- State basketball in the tournament, which was my first Ohio State like start to finish game all year, and I think they're really good from a layman's point of view. So let's not, I mean, let's do that at Here- the end. So if people don't care about basketball, get it at the end. Yeah, but I'm excited to talk about the Ohio State basketball team because I think like in a year where Kentucky, Kansas. Uh, Duke, North Carolina, and one other one sucks. Like this is the chance for a Big Ten team to break the drought that goes back to how far? Isn't it two thousand? The Flintstones was that two thousand two thousand? Right? I don't yeah, know. Michigan State two thousand. Yeah, Michigan State two thousand. So, um, you got. 
Big Ten teams all over the top seeds here, and I'm excited to talk about it. I'm more excited to talk about football, and I'm sure people are more excited to listen about football. And why don't you be the host and tell them what we're doing today? I will. I will. I, I was just going to say that you you tuning in to watch Ohio State last week in the Big Ten tournament is probably on par with a lot of people who are listening to this podcast. Yeah, we're on the same who, boat. Who this, time, who this time of year is like, oh yeah, Ohio State has a basketball team. All right. Are they going to the tournament? Good. Let's watch. Uh, yeah, spring football starts on Friday, and and we're gonna we're gonna try this again. We can, we've each come to the table with a list, and I think we're on the same page this time. We'll do we're it right. Get it figured we'll out. Do it right this time from, from the jump. Uh, our list is just it's ten players, the ten guys that we kind of find most interesting in this spring, and I sort of just left it at that. And it can be all encompassing. It can be. Guys you think like need to make a big jump, uh, guys you think are like super integral to the success of the team, and, and you're wondering what kind of, of improvements they can make this spring, guys that have come out of nowhere, like whatever. You can take it in, which, in whichever direction you want, just whatever you find interesting. So, did we decide whether or not we were going to start at 10 or start We're going to start at 10, and we're going to count okay. down from 10th most interesting to top interesting, and we're going to get it correct this time. And I understand the rules completely because that was all on me last time. But I have one question to ask you before we truly get started, Bill. Hit me. Where is Jesse Murko on your list? Is he number one? <laughs> I I didn't put him on here. I thought about it like <laughs> partly as a joke and partly because I'm super interested in Jesse Murko. But he's not on here. Australian punter. He's like 38 years old. I think our lists are probably going to be very similar. I think it's possible that they're in completely different orders, though. So I'm very excited to see what you think. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they're going to be similar. I I set out to do this exercise thinking they were going to be similar, and then I made my list, and I thought to myself, well, maybe our lists are going to be different. Mine are kind of weird, too. So I, I think we we've worked together long enough to be on the same page. Because that's what best friends do. Uh, but let's that's see right. how, how close we are. Do you want me to give you my number ten to start? Let's before you do that. Let me do let me uh, do my obligation and tell folks to subscribe to the athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash four six, you can sign up. But I'm going to tell you a way around that. If you're currently listen, listening to this and you're not an athletic subscriber, just like pick a story and sign up, and it's a dollar. Ari had a recruiting story on. Hit me with the kid's name from the camp. I forget his name. <laughs> Devon is it Devon Campbell? <laughs> it's Devon Campbell. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> yeah. uh, really That's how interesting recruit. the story is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Important recruit uh, down in Texas in the class of 2022. Uh, you can go read that story. You can go read the story I wrote that went up on Tuesday. Uh, kind of like a spring football primer. Things that I'm thinking of heading in the spring ball. Click on anything, literally anything. I don't care what it is, and you get through the door for a dollar a month if you're not already subscribed to the Athletics. So go do that. Uh, hit us on the email, 426AB at gmail.com. Leave us questions, leave us comments, leave us complaints. Subscribe, rate, and review every fine podcast. One other okay, thing. One other questions. thing. No. What? Tell them about the bracket what? challenge, dude. You just did this bracket challenge. Oh, my goodness. You weren't going to forget oh goodness, about that? I, for- I did I did forget about it, actually. <laughs> I didn't write it down in any of my notes. We are doing a bracket tournament pick'em challenge on Yahoo. And I don't know how this works. I tried to play with it earlier. I don't think it's something you can go search for. If you're on Twitter, I tweeted about it. The group is just called 4 to 6 with A and B. I tweeted out the link. You can find it there. If for some reason you can't find it and you want to be a part of this, uh, you can hit me on email. Just email me, blandis, blandis at theathletic.com, and I'll send you the link. 
straight up tournament pick them, pick all the games, fill out your bracket, and the winner of that tournament pick them will get to come on this show with us. And basically, it's your show. We'll talk about whatever you want. You, you can interview us. You can we can structure it differently. Differently, you sort of just set the agenda, and and that's the prize for winning this bracket. So uh, last time I checked, there were like thirty five people in there. I'm sure we'll get some more in there before things tip off um, in in earnest on Friday. But it's four to six with A and B on Yahoo. I tweeted out the link, and again, if you can't find that on Twitter for some reason, just email me, blandis at theathletic.com, and I'll send you the link, and you get signed up. Yeah, uh, I need to do it, too, because if I win, then we just talk about uh, my favorite type of pizza for an hour. Yeah, it'll be d- totally different than any other <laughs> show we've ever done. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So I'll do number 10 now. Thanks for uh, sticking with us as we navigated through the preamble here, but my number 10 is Cam Martinez, and I think you can make a case that he's like higher than that. Or you can make the case that he shouldn't be on the list at all. So I, I don't know if he made your list, but he, did. he is somebody that I think um, was viewed as a very underrated prospect uh, in the 2020 class. I think everybody is familiar with him by now, um, but he's a versatile athlete and somebody who I think could make a difference and is expected to make a difference and potentially could be put at a position where Ohio State has needs. So mm-hmm. to me... There's three-star prospect who was underrated and has actually one of the better prospects in the class, um, and that was the story of his recruitment, but now it's the application of that and whether or not that's true, because if it is, there's a spot on this on this field for him, and I'm very curious to see if that's a name that we're talking about a lot as spring practice unfolds and whether or not he lives up to that hype that usually comes with a five-star rating but now came with the three-star. It is funny. He has he has the hype of a five star prospect. He does. And he's a th- yeah. It's it's. A, I I don't know how often that's happened here. I think it's happened a few times maybe, but it's kind of rare. I think for a guy with that recruiting profile to kind of be fouled as much as Cam Martinez was, and maybe it's a byproduct of his recruitment because he was like kind of the last guy in the class, and you're like, are they going to get him? Or are they not? But the expectations with him are are. They're not outsized because he's a really good football player, but it's odd that they're so high for a guy who was a three-star prospect. He is, or maybe he ended up being a four-star prospect, but he was low, low like in the three hundreds. Uh, he's on my list. He's number four for me. I had him. I had him pretty high. Um, I, my list, especially with defensive guys, and is like who can fix this? Like who's versatile can kind of fit in a few different places, and like who can like get this all straightened out? Because I'm not totally sure like schematically what it's going to look like. And I wrote a little bit about this. I think they need to figure out sort of the strengths of their personnel. And a guy like Cam Martinez, like, I think he could play outside. I think he could play the nickel. I think he could play safety. And they need to figure that out this spring, figure out where he fits. And that's true not only with him but a couple other defensive backs as well and another guy I have on my list. And then sort of figure out the plan from there. But I do think he's a guy, because he is versatile, because he provides you options, can be someone who's, like, very instrumental in them getting this defense figured out. And you putting him at number four is buying into the hype. Right, like because sure. you're giving him sure. a, a heightened level of importance, and not to say that you're right or wrong, but however this happened, I think it's probably because Jeremy Birmingham thought he was amazing and like <laughs> tweeted about it incessantly. <laughs> and if you're listening, Jeremy, we noticed. Um, but you know, it's just a very interesting thing to be in a position where he is being counted on. When really, if you just looked at his profile and knew nothing else about him, you would view him as a developmental guy that might not contribute till the junior year. So. Um, that was the Berm hype train. He's on both of our lists. Um, I'll go to number nine now. Um, well, no, let me give you my oh, 10. Oh, your 10. I, my bad, my bad. My I'm still already not getting uh, it. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're good. We're all right. We're all right. This list, I think, will largely skew toward younger guys, but this is an older guy. I had a 10, and it's Josh Proctor. Um, and it's because I'm 
just a little bit curious if they might try to move him to be more of like a hybrid Sam linebacker kind of guy because I think he could thrive in that role if put there. I've said it before. I, I don't think he's a true center field safety, and but maybe he can grow into that with, now with the, that he has an actual spring to to develop that he didn't have last year. But I'm thinking more than likely he's not that. But he's like he's an incredible football player. He's an incredible athlete. He needs to be on the field, and whether that's just in split safety looks kind of like he was last year, or something different, which is like the bullet position if we're still using that word. Um, I think he could maybe become that if they wanted to use him there. So I put him on 10 because he's piqued my interest. A little you bit always have way. an interesting like hook to like why, because Proctor didn't even make my list. And like I yeah. feel like if 80% of the beat writers who did this would put him on the list just because he's been a central figure in Ohio State's defensive backfield, but I like why you did it. Because I wasn't just going to be like, well, the secondary is the worst position group on the team going into the spring I'm just going to put somebody I don't find him to be that interesting because until he breaks out I feel like I already know what he is you know and if he gets moved to a different position or what I mean it's not like last spring Proctor would have been like number three like this spring he's been on the team long enough where it's just like do it or don't and I don't know that it's that interesting position change big difference Um, my number nine is Emeka Egbuka and Oh, that's a good one. I don't know if he made your list or not, because um, there's 800 no, no. other receivers on the roster that could make this list. Um, but we saw Garrett Wilson as a true freshman break out. Chris Olave broke out as a true freshman. Um, this is a guy who just made his decision to go to Ohio State, what, a few weeks ago, and was one of the best prospects in the entire country. And as we continue to field questions from the listeners, as we continue to talk about Ohio State, um, a main focus of that discussion is obviously going to be which players are going to rise to the top in the receiver room. And, you know, uh, I've got other receivers on my list because I am a sucker for offensive skill talent. But when really great players are true to be great, you know they're going to be great early. That's been my philosophy since day one. I'm very curious to see if that's somebody that has that, like, Dontre Wilson first spring football hype behind him because when somebody's really good you get a sense for it during interviews people bring these players names up unprompted um other teammates are like wow he made a great play i'm very curious to see if it goes from holy crap ekbuka's amazing or if we just don't talk about him all that much and that to me is fascinating he was not on my list i don't have a ton of freshmen on my list there's 15 early enrolled freshmen um he's a good one and i i wish i would have maybe put him on here and, and another freshman to keep in mind would be marvin harrison jr because ryan day did go out of his way to mention him when we talked with him like a month ago his name's um, marvin I, harrison yeah marvin harrison jr yeah um but somebody asked him it might have actually been berm to drop his name a second time asked asked ryan day um, sort of who's caught his eye like among the early enrollees and the first person he said was Marvin Harrison Jr. which is like I don't know maybe it's because it's the most famous name that's the name he said but if it's not that and it's like whatever, whichever name he picked out of those 15 I, I thought was kind of like noteworthy and he said that he was impressed by Marvin because Marvin's like 6'3 and over 200 pounds now and just like really well put together and I think they thought maybe he'd be a little further behind physically than he is. So, I mean it's a it's a um, great testament to Ohio State's Ohio uh, wide receiver recruiting when Marvin Harrison Jr. is like the afterthought. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Uh, 
Number number nine for me is a freshman. It's just not Emeka Ibuka. It's Jack Sawyer, and maybe he should be higher. Maybe he's higher on your list. Um, I do kind of buy the the Bosa stuff. I think he's he's on that level and going to be on that level uh, eventually. I, I don't know what it's going to look like for him in his first year, which is why I, I, I hesitated to put him a little higher on the list. But I, I am eager to, to see what he becomes and what kind of move he can make early because I do think there's opportunity. There's Zach Harrison and there's Tyreek Smith and then, like, Tyler Friday and Javante Jean-Baptiste have played a fair amount, and and certainly they're going to get their sh- their chance to hold down a spot in that rotation. But I don't think those are those are solid by any stretch. I think Jack Sawyer absolutely can play his way into a rotation into the rotation as a true freshman. Yeah, he's on my list at five. Uh, he's a little yeah. bit higher, and for all the same reasons. But I also think there's a chance he could have nine sacks this year. You know, mm-hmm. I think like he's it's that good, and if he's if he is that good, and he's like a Bosa. For lack of a better comparison, we don't just keep saying it to try to pump up the. But like, he's a legitimate five-star animal who is athletic and has uh, crazy athletic ability. So, very curious to see how he does. My number eight is another true freshman, and this one might have made your list, or you might think I'm an idiot. And whichever one will be fine with me. But I put Donovan Jackson at number eight. Um, he's not in spring practice. Oh, I thought he enrolled early. No, he didn't. He's not one of the 15. Great. So now I look like a jackass. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Quick, come up with another one. Well, I know another uh, young offensive lineman you could put in that spot. Who would you all... And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, well, I'll put the guy that I almost put on my list and then didn't because I thought it was cliche, but now it'll just be cliche because you made me look like a jackass on my own podcast. I, th- I thought for sure that he was enrolled early. I don't know why. It's a brain no, fart. I've, I've made that mistake several times in writing because I want to like I want to kind of go in depth on Donovan Jackson because I think he's awesome, but he's not here yet. Yeah, okay. So then Paris Johnson Jr. I think is going to be my, my person because he was like on the cusp of it. And I don't know exactly where um, you would put him on your list. I don't know if he's on your list. We already kind of know he that he's really good. Um, he's already played some key snaps with injuries in the playoff. Like, I mean, he's we know what he is. But I'm very curious to see, A, how they employ him, and B, how much of a step he can take uh, in this cycle. And I guess it's kind of in the same vein, because what I was going to say about Donovan Jackson, because I said his name, is that dude is really, really good. And I don't know if people are giving him the respect that he deserves. Obviously, his rating was high through the roof, but like he might be, dare I say, better than, than Paris was in high school. Like it's like, And if it's not, it's a discussion. So, yeah. forgive me for the error. I don't know why. I've just thought he's been going into the spring since the day he signed. Uh, it's a mistake on my part, but 
Donovan Jackson slash Paris Johnson Jr. I do. I mean, I'll talk about Donovan Jackson because I do. I, I there are two offensive line jobs up for grabs if you assume that Harry Miller is moving to center, and it's both guard spots. But I'm not like super locked in on whoever wins right guard right now because I think that the calculus there will change quite a bit once Donovan Jackson gets on campus. Like I think he can win a job as a true freshman, whether that's beating out Matt Jones or Dewan Jones or whoever, or however it shakes out. Like I think Thayer Munford, Nick Petit, Frere, Harry Miller, and Paris Johnson are starting, and then that fifth job is up for grabs and is going to get more interesting once Donovan Jackson gets here. So he's worth talking about, even though he's not technically in spring yet. I'm happy that you, uh, you've made the mistake yourself because I don't know why I'm still like questioning whether you're right. I went and looked it up. Like I thought for sure he was in. <laughs> but no, he's not alas, he's not you're always right. Not, not always. Uh, we're on number eight, correct? Uh, that was my eight. Yeah, my number eight is Ty Hamilton. Got, he felt like he was like getting on the hype, hype train a little bit last spring, and then everything got shut down. And like Haskell Garrett's back, and Haskell Garrett's going to be awesome. And this spring, I think, is important for Haskell Garrett, even though he's a senior. Like I think there's a, there's a step forward to be made for a lot of the older players because last year was so weird. But they need a, a, another reliable guy next to him, and you start with Antoine Jackson. But Ty Hamilton got on the field a decent amount last year for a guy who like showed up or was recruited like undersized and had to switch positions and he just seemed to catch people's attention right away. And now he's got a real chance here to develop and I think carve out a spot for himself. And I don't think it's impossible that, you know, on the depth chart next fall that maybe Ty Hamilton is like the number two nose tackle um, playing behind maybe Antoine Jackson or even starting ahead of him. I think that's possible too. So that would be a much faster trajectory than his brother. It would be. Yeah. I mean, his brother didn't really, grab a role until his fourth year and didn't become a monster until his fifth year. And, and Ty seems to be on, on a faster trajectory than that. And I always think it's fascinating to like watch these young defensive linemen work with Larry Johnson in the spring and like what kind of leaps those guys can make when they're working with the best position coach in the country. Yeah. Yeah. He's not on my list, but certainly, uh, I don't know the same way. I think Marvin Harrison's going to be a beast because of his dad. Sometimes I like box legacy recruits in and kind of just think they're their, their, their brother. And that's like, a fault, right? So I just figured that Ty Hamilton would be really good, but in three years, because that's what his brother did, you know. So yeah, I don't know if they're gonna like or Devon Hamilton could like bench press a school bus, and I don't know if Ty Hamilton's ever gonna be able to do that. I think they're like slightly different players. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I make that that same mistake sometimes too. Okay, my number seven is Lathan Ransom, um, and I think I we had another question about who are you most eager to watch. Um, or who's somebody that's like outside the box that you're super excited to see. And like, I thought he held his own in limited time last year. It's the most important position group. He's a pure safety. He's an out of state prospect from Arizona, um, which I like because that's where I'm from. And I just, <laughs> I like really think it's possible that he's starting somewhere day one. You ready to have your mind blown? Did you have him at seven too? No, I have him at number one. Yeah, I'm having. I, yeah, he's not the most interesting player on the team. He's not the most interesting player on the team, but like, I need to know who's fixing the back end of this defense. It was bad, 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 terrible, bad last year. Yeah, and he was pretty good. Yeah, and I don't know where he's going to end up. Like, he played nickel last year, and if he's just that, then obviously he's not going to have the kind of impact that I'm anticipating that he has. But I think he's going to be more than that. He's going to. I I don't think he has a skill set to start on the outside, 
but I like maybe he's the safety that like I'm waiting to to step forward and and shore that up and they can like play the kind of defense they want to play or, or maybe as we've said a million times he's just in a split safety role with Proctor and I like that too but like they just didn't have guys that I thought were reliable on the back end of the defense for much of last year and it was such a problem for them and I'm wondering if Lathan Ransom and it's putting a lot on his shoulders as a second year player who played more than we all thought he would play but still didn't play like a ton um it's a big expectation I think for him to like suddenly become the guy who like steadies out the back end of the defense but I kind of have those expectations for him because I thought the moments that he got to play were that good yeah um can I say two things one I don't know if you said this I just want to reiterate we excluded the quarterbacks because it would be one two and three uh, I don't know if we told Correct. him that um and I don't think we said that either. okay I just wanted them to, to, to know that um and then yes. two uh in my head Lathan Ransom is Jordan Fuller yeah is that is that right yeah. I think he could be, and if he is, like that's great for Ohio State. And Jordan Fuller was not the most interesting football player on the planet, although he was a great guy to talk to and super smart. And I always enjoyed. It had like thirteen very famous way. family members. Sinbad, yeah, <laughs> and his mom was like a backup singer for like Bruce Springsteen. Um, he like he is he is interesting. Like as a football player, he's just like he's a very solid safety. Yeah. Um, but no, it's like that's what I have in mind. But I think like the secondary was so bad that just like you know what solid is like what I'm looking for yeah, yeah. on the back end of the defense. Yeah. Well, good segue to my number six is Cam Brown. Um, I think that when he blew his knee out last year, um, it seemed like something that Ohio State could overcome, and I wonder if that injury actually crippled them. Um, and, you know, we'll see exactly how far along he is when, when spring starts, but he is going to be a starting cornerback, right? Like, like, can you pencil him in as a starter at this point? And there's another player yeah, that I don't isn't know, on my uh, list that might be interesting. And like, if I could go back and rewrite it correctly without putting Donovan Jackson on there, maybe Legend Cavazos would have been another name that would have been on my list because of his freaky athleticism. But also, yeah, you know, we knew going into it that he was going to need time to develop into a football player. And now that you're a year into the program, you might have an opportunity to see him. And I think that is somebody that should be on someone's list. So. Maybe I'm cheating a little bit and adding another person. Uh, but Cam Brown um, was supposed to be or it seemed to be developing into another first-round draft pick corner. And I think we just say that by default because it happens every year with their with their number one corner. But I'm very curious to see if he like recovers from injury and it turns out that, oh, my God, losing him might have been the difference between winning a national championship or not. Maybe they wouldn't have beaten Alabama if they had, uh, you know, Sean Springs out there on his prime. But, like, it's just yeah. – to me, losing a guy at that position that early that had so much promise in hindsight seems like a terrible loss for Ohio State. Uh, just quickly, seven for me, which I don't think I said was Parrish Johnson, okay. which I don't think we need to go over. Um, Cam Brown's a good one. I'm assuming he's not going to be a participant in the spring because his injury was in October. or No, no I guess it was, yeah, October. Um, so I would assume he's not ready yet, but I think, I think he's – very important to the back end of the defense for all the reasons. That Isn't that enough time to, to recover from that now? Aren't, aren't ACLs six-month injuries? His was an Achilles, and I don't know what to make of Achilles injuries anymore because in my world. mind that's something – yeah, in my mind that's something that should, like, knock you out for two years, and at Ohio State it's something that knocks you out for, like, three weeks. So I don't know. Like, Tough Borland came back really quick. Um, Master T came back really quick. So it's it seems like it'd be a pretty brutal injury for a defensive back uh, specifically to have to endure, but my guess is that he's not quite ready for spring, um, but will be ready for summer. 
But even if he's not, I still think he's interesting. And if you would have lumped Legend Cavazos in there for all the reasons you said, I think that's a fine pick for yep. number six, too. Number six for me is Craig Young. I thought he was going to be one, to be honest. You're obsessed uh, with Craig I Young. Thought of, <laughs> I thought about it. I thought about it. And then uh, and then I realized, like, Lathan Ransom and a couple other guys, I think, are more interesting than Craig Young. But the, the linebacker room is changing over. And we always talk about the, the 2018 guys, which is Dallas Gantt, Taraja Mitchell, Kavon Pope, sort of stepping in once Baron Browning and Tuff Borland and Pete Werner were all gone. And like, that's happening now. And Craig Young is not in that class with those guys. He was the class behind them. But I think he's going to like elevate himself to be on the same timeline as those guys and win a starting job this year. And I think it was going to be the starting Sam linebacker. Now, how much they actually use a Sam and whether or not they play more hybrid guys, I think is like all still very much up in the air. But I've said it before that I think Craig Young might actually be the best athlete on the team. I will never forget watching Urban Meyer just staring at him at a camp and then deciding like in the moment that he was no longer a defensive back and that he was a linebacker or a pass rusher. I think on some level he's kind of like a Baron Browning type player. Not the same rating coming out of high school, not quite as big as Baron, but I think a similar skill set and a guy that, that can help them um, in a couple different spots on defense. He's Malik Hooker at linebacker. Could be. That's that's my that's what I have in my brain. Yeah. Super freak athletic. No pressure, kid. No, yeah, no pressure, but... You know, or he'll just fall way short of that and still be really good. But uh, <laughs> he might actually be one of the most athletic players on the team, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't. I, we don't. We're not like privy to these testing numbers. All I yeah. know, all I know is like well, I can see with my own two eyes, and he like looks like he would be. How many years of your life would you shave off to get the testing numbers in your hands? A decade. A decade. <laughs> I got news for you, bud. You'd probably just drop dead then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's over. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm very. He didn't make my list, but I, I had a feeling he was going to make yours, so I'm I'm happy that he did. And uh, you know, my number five is Jack Sawyer. We already talked about him. Who's your number five? Kate Stover. Um, I I still don't quite know where I stand on how often they're going to play with two tight ends. But even if they drastically decrease the rate at which they do play with two tight ends, I still think they need a viable backup option. And I, I, I think we forget on some level, like, just how good of, like, we want to talk about athletes, like, how good of an athlete Cade Stover is. Like, this is a kid who, like, could have been Mr. Football and Mr. Basketball in Ohio. He was that good at, at both of them. Um, played on both sides of the ball in high school at a very high level. Uh, people thought he was going to play like, two different positions or three different positions on defense before he, he ultimately signed. He's got some time on the line. He's got some time at linebacker. Now he's playing tight end. He remind like, I think he has the physical profile of a guy like Rashad Berry who like didn't blow people away when he was playing tight end at Ohio State and I think part of that was just sort of where he fell in the pecking order um it seems like maybe like Kate Stover a similar kind of athlete is going to get more of a shot to kind of show himself at that position and they just need to shore up that depth so like where he ultimately ends up this year I don't think is like crucial 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 for the offense but I do think he's an interesting guy because his upside is so high and if like it clicks for him this year then that's all of a sudden like another piece for the offense that I don't think we were anticipating he did not make my list because I don't think tight end will ever be uh interesting enough at Ohio State and hater 12 personnel all day yeah well you get excited about how awesome they are as blockers let me know when Rob Gronkowski's on the team and then I'll get excited like they've got the best tight end in the country I think and uh, you know, obviously what you said all makes sense. It's important, but exciting. I, I don't know how you did this, but I did this um, list based on who I would want to interview the most. Like, like, like it was like our drafts from bowl games. 
I yeah, I think it's a fine yeah, way to approach it. Yeah. So like to me, Cade Stover would not even be in the top half of the roster, maybe. Yeah, I think that's fair. But he also might be really interesting. We just sort of like no, we know his deal. We yeah. just don't like we know what his deal is, and we're waiting to see what he becomes. Okay, yeah. my number four, and this might be way yep. too high, and somebody that's not on your list at all. But I am obsessed with Mayon Williams's trajectory. Um, I thought he showed great burst uh, running back as a position of great need. Um, I know Master Teague is coming back, but I find him very interesting, um, not just because of the way he was recruited, uh, the fact that he was like the fifth option on their list at running back in his class, but the fact that he showed a pulse early, and I'm always very intrigued by guys that do that. So um, that combined with the position that he plays, I find to be a pretty interesting storyline. He's not on my list. He was uh, the first version of this list that I made had three running backs on it. <laughs> now it only has one. Uh, and when it had three, he was one of the three. But I thought like it didn't make sense to have three guys because I would just start repeating myself. But I agree. I like if a guy, if a guy, I, I usually agree with the idea that like if a guy is going to be something, he'll show it to you early. And I think Mayan Williams did that, and nobody expected it from him. Like I fully expected him to like maybe even like never get a carry here let alone like do what he did on the few carries he got against Clemson like that was that was absurd like that's against Michigan State I was, I was like oh I didn't know he could do that stuff then did it on the field against Clemson with better athletes on a bigger stage I was like okay this guy's for real like I don't know where it's going to go but he's for real yep um and it's just another guy who's who's kind of in the mix there but he's not on my list uh my four as we talked about earlier was Cam Martinez yep who's your three Teron Vincent Oh, that's a good one. He's not on my list yeah. either. I, I don't know if he should have been because it's, sometimes it's just the same old story with people. And, you know, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. But, like, Ohio State's – I mean, I think you could make the argument that of all positions on Ohio State's team, you've seen late bloomers and very productive players later in their careers at interior defensive line more so than any other position in the team. Like, if just like mm-hmm. Haskell Garrett was a late bloomer, we just uh, talked about um, – Devon Hamilton. Devon Hamilton. Uh, I think B.B. Landers. B.B. Landers. Uh, he, Michael Hill. Tracy Sprinkle. I mean, like, there's, there's a lot, a lot yeah. of guys that, that at Ohio State have come in, sometimes highly recruited, sometimes not. Kind of been afterthoughts. I mean, Vincent has dealt, dealt with injuries. And, in, you know, if he's healthy and can live up to 75% of the recruiting hype that he came in with, um, you're looking at a really, really, really good interior defensive line. And, like, if the light bulb goes on, I think we'll start to get a sense for it soon. He's a good one. I should have had him on my list, and I probably should have had him high. And I think maybe I didn't because this isn't necessarily a new situation we're in with him. I think we would have said all these same things last year about him. Um, and like spring ball just didn't happen. And then I think he was banged up again. So he didn't play as much as we thought he was going to play last year, but yeah, it's always with former five-star prospect, like trying to find his stride will remain interesting. Like until that player leaves the program. Yep. Um, so he's, he's a good one. Uh, my three is a really good player and a guy who I think is very interesting in terms of impact on the team this year. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I have Julian Fleming at number three. Um, and maybe he's higher on your list because you haven't said if any one of those receivers yet outside of Ibuka, so maybe you have one um, at number two, although I doubt it because there's one guy, one obvious guy neither, neither of us have talked about yet. But I like Fleming because um, something Ryan Day said 
where he was talking about Jeremy Rucker coming back and Luke Farrell leaving and like some of the personnel impact on that. Like he, he just talked about, we're going to see what we have and like that'll dictate how we play. And I think the anticipation is with everyone is they're going to play a lot more with, with three or possibly even four receivers on the field. But I think Julian Fleming allows you to do some of the things like formationally that you would still do if you had two tight ends on the field because he's a bigger receiver. He's a willing blocker. He played in a wing T offense. Everyone knows the story. I think he's a guy that you could line up in sort of like tight formations and use him as a run blocker in a really effective way and then set up some opportunities for him in the play action game that, that can be really exciting for him next year. And I think that makes him different, so maybe from like everybody else in the receiver room, perhaps outside of Ibuka, because if you watch his film, you see some similar things as well. But there's this whole group of receivers. We don't know how it's all going to shake out behind Olave and Wilson. But this guy was the best receiver in the country. He's super explosive. He's a big body. I think you can put him at either outside spot. He'd play really well, I think, off of Olave and Wilson if, if Olave was the Z and Wilson is in the slot and he put um, Fleming kind of isolated as a six foot two, 200-pound X receiver who can go high point a ball. Like, I love that. And, and Juice Williams is there. Juice man, we have to keep him in mind because he held that job down last year. But I think that job's up for grabs. And if it's Julian Fleming who has it, I'm not going to be surprised. I have a freshman receiver at number two. I mean, not a freshman, but one of those receivers. Sorry. Um, but first, what I wanted to say about Julian Fleming is the thing that, you know, as a layman probably uh, can relate to is they needed him in a certain spot this year to step up, and he caught like 10 passes in the first quarter uh, of the Big Ten Championship game when he was thrust in there when Chris Olave got Corona. So, like, a player that is answering the bell when he's needed, I think, is a super important thing to acknowledge about him. That's an interesting perspective because I think, I think I agree with you for the most part. Like I don't like he didn't blow me away, but I thought he was he was fine. Like he caught a few balls, like you said, consistently open. Uh, yeah, he was open. He had he had one mix up that I think I think led to an interception. Maybe I have that mixed up. Um, but I also think there might be Ohio State fans who watched that game and saw an opportunity for Julian Fleming and like were waiting to be wowed and weren't, and maybe were left disappointed by. It. I was wowed. You don't have to score a sixty-yard touchdown to be wowed. Wow! I, being consistently yeah. open and catching the balls with authority whenever they're thrown to you, I think for a person who's playing their first game, really in that role in the Big Ten Championship game, I thought was very encouraging. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm on that page too. I want to look it up now because I don't know exactly how many passes he caught that game. I think he caught four on the first two drives or something. Four for 53. Yeah. yeah. Four, four for It was all early in the game, and then it kind of, uh, you know, it was a weird game. There wasn't a ton of offensive explosion in that game. So, like, I, but, I mean, to me, being put in a situation where you're counted on and can be open, and I, I thought that it was an encouraging performance. Now, my number two is G. Scott Jr., um, and it's funny because I overlooked uh, Jackson Smith Najigba. I overlooked Julian Fleming. Um, there are a lot of players on this team that are supposed to be really good at this position. Um, and I'm not picking any of the other players because we kind of have a general idea that of what these guys are. Like, Scott was completely absent from the discussion last year. And I don't know yep. if it's just a casualty of being one of many in a room, but I saw him in person at the opening dominate every top uh, defensive back prospect in the country. And, like, that guy is a dude. And it's impossible, like, because Jamison Williams is, like, might be my number one favorite player on the team, and he's not on my list. So, uh, because I feel like we have an idea of what he might be capable of. To me, Scott is interesting because it's a complete unknown. And based on physical makeup ability uh, against top talent, when I saw him work out at a camp, um, and, you know, to dominate the opening is, like, that's a thing to me. Like I know it's like yeah, you I don't agree. just go under armor camp series. Guy had a great few reps, and but he dominated like the most talented camp there was. Um, and you know I'm very curious because someone's going to get left out. Not everybody's going to go on to be a star. You've got Egbuka on my list who who is on this team now and might be in the mix. You've got Fleming. You've got Jamison Williams. You've got the top two guys. I mean, it's it's well documented uh, how good this this room is, but. I'm very curious to see if this is going to be another person in the mix or potentially somebody who got lost in the shuffle. The snap counts were weird last year. I just pulled them up quickly. Um, we all know that Olave and Wilson dominated them. Jackson Smith and Jigba played 162. Julian Fleming played 129. G. Scott Jr. played 14. He got on the field in three games. And um, he, he, he was unavailable for a couple games as well which is important to consider but you're right he just wasn't on the same level as those other two freshmen last year for whatever reason but that doesn't mean he can't get on their level this spring he's a true freshman i mean you know how careers are winding paths and some arrive early some arrive late um but from a physical standpoint the way he's built you know his measurables the guy's got a six-pack hanging out of his uh out of his low-cut jersey i mean he looks the part you know and i just I think there's a chance that we just aren't talking about him enough. And, like, if I could interview somebody and write about them, it would be him out of all yeah, the receivers. I think he is hes the most interesting receiver from that perspective, right? You just want to talk to him and, like, kind of yes. see where he's at with all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree with I agree with that totally. Um, that was your number two. I know your number two. It can only be My one. number two is the guy that you have number one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Trevion Henderson. Yes. Yeah, the running back savior yeah. has arrived. Yeah. Zeke. <laughs> Zeke. Baby Zeke. 
baby Zeke is here. I had in my original list that had three running backs on it. I had uh, Mayan Williams on there. I had Marcus Crowley on there, and I had Trevion Henderson. But Henderson was above all of them. Yeah, at number two. I mean, when I made the list, it was Henderson, and then who else am I talking about? Like it was like not even a th- I. And sometimes I make snap decisions, and I look like a jackass afterward. But like I'm pretty good about. I'm pretty happy with this one. It's like true freshman who is the highest rated running back Ohio State's ever signed, who's supposed to potentially be the starter right out of the gate at a position of great need i think is just it's the trifecta of interesting yeah i agree i think he is too at some point he's going to be the starter or be the number one tailback next year whether that's game one or or game five i I don't know but even if he's not the starter in game one i think he does enough that he's still going to be on the field a pretty significant amount from the jump um and i'm very curious to see if they finally start playing two running backs together um that's like that playing two running backs together. I think is my version of throwing to the tight end in the spring. Like everyone else talks about, it, they're going to throw to the tight end. In my head, I think to myself, they're going to play with two running backs, and they have the guys to do it because I think Trevion Henderson and Evan Pryor both are, are enough of receiving threats that you can put them back there, and they're different enough from Master Teague and Marcus Crowley that you can make it work. But even if they don't do that and they just play with one running back like they always do, Trevion Henderson's a dude. So um, a lot of expectation on him, probably like. The most expectation the most that's followed expectation a freshman, expectation for production immediately. Yeah, from from a freshman on my time covering the team, I would I think unless I'm forgetting somebody, it's not like oh my god, this guy's good. I wonder if he'll have an impact because he's that good as a freshman. It's like this dude's the starting running back. Yeah, like that's like I can't. Ohio State recruits too deeply for that to be common, and it probably wouldn't have been common if Ohio State. Or it probably wouldn't have happened if Ohio State would have hit on some of the other running back prospects that they wanted in the 2020 class. But it just worked out that way that, you know, and Mayan Williams is on my list at number four. So, like, I'm not scoffing at the idea that the 2021 or the 2020 signee at that position isn't going to be a, a factor on this team. He certainly will. But I can't remember the last time Ohio State signed a freshman, and it wasn't only a need for him to play, it's expected that he will. Yeah. Start, yeah. not play, start. Start, start, and like, yeah, be productive from the jump. Yeah, and like, be a star yeah. immediately. Um, and like, I think he's also interesting because he branches off to other things. Because like, what does his emergence mean for Master Teague? Like, how does Marcus Crowley fit in this mix? Like, where is Steel Chambers in this whole thing? Like, because he looked pretty good in his limited snaps. Is he a running back still? Like, because I've just been waiting for them to move him to linebacker for two years, and it's just like, is that Me happening too. or not? Uh, so we're recording this on Tuesday night. Ryan Day talks on. Wednesday morning for the first time in like a month, and then we get Kerry Combs and Kevin Wilson on Friday. And if if in the course of those conversations it comes out that like Steel Chambers is playing linebacker, I wouldn't be surprised by that. That's not like me saying I have inside information on it because I don't. But I don't see how he fits in at running back. And he uh, fumbled a lot when he was in there, which is like a no go for every coach everywhere. Um, so if, like if he wants if he's going to have a future at Ohio State, I would think it could be at at linebacker. And if you watch his linebacker highlights, they're really good. He's a really good linebacker. I didn't think he, he was, was going to play a snap at high school back. linebacker when they signed yeah. him. I didn't think he was going to start there. So uh, yeah, I mean, and at a position too, we, none of us put a linebacker on our list. Oh wait, you did, Craig, Craig Young, you. and you also thought it's possible that proctor could be a linebacker type hybrid player so i mean maybe yeah. that counts to me it's like linebacker makes me want to go to bed early 
Um, it's like the same names that we've been talking about for three years. It's like do it or don't. Like I don't know. Is, is it interesting? I guess it'll be interesting if they're not productive. Um, but other than that, but it becomes interesting if you just if you say like, hey, maybe Steel Chambers has a shot at playing one of the inside linebackers. Yeah, then positions. he all, all of a sudden, if that was a thing, he's like top five maybe. You know, yeah. And like yeah. I think this is a fair. This might be the most interesting roster from top to bottom in terms of like story worthy players than like of the past five years because. There's a lot of spots to fill. There's a lot of you're, – you're talking about one of the greatest recruiting classes of all time um, that is now enrolling early for the most part, except John Donovan Jackson is not one of them. And, uh, you know, it's a weird mix of exodus from the program, but also a lot of older guys staying during a weird COVID year. Also, are they going to win a national championship? And, by the way, they're three quarterbacks. I've never thrown a pass in a college game. It's like all that, yeah. all that, like quarterbacks are even on our list. So like, and we could talk for four podcasts consecutively about the quarterback position. So right. like, I'm yeah. very excited to see all those dollar B stories pop up. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting time at Ohio state. And it's funny cause it's, you, you mix, can this team win a national championship with who the hell is going to play these plays, these play, these positions. Like it's like yeah. two separate conversations that usually at every other program in America means we're two years away. Like at Ohio State, it's like we don't know who's starting anywhere. Oh, also, are they going to win the national title? Like that's like you know what it, it's yeah. an interesting thing to me. You know what it feels like to me. Um, so you remember, I guess it was maybe like a year ago or two years ago when it when it like became a real thing that the um, NBA was going to scrap the one and done rule. And then, like, whenever that happened, everyone was talking about, oh, the double draft. You're going to have the double draft. It's going to be the first draft when guys can um, pull off college and go right to the NBA, but also you still have all, all the other guys coming from college from the previous year. And it's like a, a super deep draft pool for the NBA that one year as a matter of circumstance. And this feels like because there was no spring last year, like a lot of these stories and guys are, are guys who have been writing about last spring, and we just didn't get the opportunity to do so. So, like, we get to bring all that back and then also work in all the other weird shit that happened because of the COVID year and how that like disrupted timelines and like brought guys back you weren't expecting to come back and like totally changed the complexion of this roster. And now it's all sort of like converging this spring and we get to talk about it right away. Yeah, it's really yeah. I thought it was a, a tough list to put together. So, um, yeah, Ohio State is always interesting, but this year especially interesting. Now, uh, I don't know if we're ready for this transition. We're about 45 minutes in, but basketball, like can I just fire some of these questions off? Hit me with the hoops questions. Okay, one. Can Ohio State win the national championship this year? <laughs> I've been waiting 45 minutes to ask you that question. Could they actually win it all? Because I watched them go to overtime with a one seed, and I saw yeah. them beat the other one seed. I think they are capable of winning a national title, yes. Like, will they? I'm not picking them to. No, no, I know. Like, can they? My pick to win the national title is Illinois, and Ohio State played them three times. Beat them once and like probably should have beat them the other two times. So yeah, I think Ohio State couldn't win a national. Because that's title. like crazy. I mean, in a year where, I mean, I'm looking at the bracket here and I see North Carolina as an eight seed, but like I don't see Duke, I don't see Kentucky, I don't see Can. Oh, Kansas is a three seed. So, but yeah. they're not the Kansas. No, of, no Louisville, no, no Indiana. Louisville, no Indiana. Um, you know, a lot of the big time pros. I mean, programs that usually. Um, are in there aren't so it's like what Ohio State's toughest like in their draw I'm looking at the bracket right now I mean Purdue might be a tricky four seed they beat them you know last weekend but um like is like Baylor the worst one seed or do people think that they're like a generational team because they only lost twice like to me it uh, seems like I a think Baylor's draw. a little hard to figure out 
Yeah, I I, I, I kind of like their draw. Because um, the thing you think about with Ohio State is like, okay, who has like a massive front line, just like super physical, is going to get after them on the glass and just like make it hell for them on the interior when Ohio State's trying to defend that? And like, I don't really see that in this in this region. There's no seven-footer uh, in there that's going to gobble up all the rebounds? Well, like Carolina might be, but like if it's Carolina, then you're not going to see them until that's in the Elite Eight game and it's like you're the two playing an eight and, and like – I don't know if we get to that point. I guess we could talk about it, but um, they have like a uh, a tough-ish opening game against Oral Roberts. It's like a team that bombs a bunch of threes. They have the leading scorer in the country. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to win that game fairly comfortably. Like Florida Virginia Tech is is like I doable. Um, Arkansas could be tough because uh, Ohio State's just not a very good defensive team, and, and maybe that can become a kind of a shootout, and maybe Ohio State can't quite win that. But I do. I really, and like Villanova's at the top. Villanova's all banged up. Purdue's at the top. They beat Purdue. Wisconsin's at the top. They beat Wisconsin. It's really like I. I didn't. I have Ohio State in the Final Four, um, and like I didn't really think twice about whether or not I thought they were going to win until I got the the Elite Eight game against Baylor, and then I just like picked them. Whatever I was picking it an hour after the bracket came out, and that's what we're forced to do. But I see a path here. I think it's a very reasonable path for them to get there. Yeah. Um. I. I'm wondering, and I maybe we'll like dissect this a little bit, but everybody makes this joke about how Ohio State lost to Florida in the national title game in 06 and then lost to Florida again uh, in the national championship in basketball, like, what, four months later? Um, I'm wondering, A, uh, will Ohio, is my, because my Final Four is Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and uh, <laughs> who am I? Alabama. Bama. Yeah, <laughs> that's my Final Four. Um, that would be hilarious. But, a, can we talk about that second round matchup of Florida? Because there's some energy there. And then two, how awesome would it be if Ohio State played Alabama in the national title game? I have Alabama in the Final Four. Alabama is is good, like tough as shit. Like I love Nate Oates and the way that his his teams play. Um, I like I think they're going to get there. I don't, I don't find their region particularly daunting. Alabama's because Michigan is most likely playing without Isaiah Livers, and and I I don't know how long they can persevere without that so of all the teams i have in the final four honestly i might feel best about putting alabama through um so i think it's possible we get ohio state alabama ohio state florida uh in the second round i mean it's not uh that florida team had like three nba players (laughs) and that ohio state team had like had three lottery picks so yeah we're, we're not talking about that um but it would be a good game it'd be fun to like go down memory lane a little bit i guess it's not a game again that I would be super worried about Ohio State against Florida. Like Florida has some has some decent size. They have uh, like they have dudes. Like Trey Mann is is good. Um, probably he would be one of the better players Ohio State would have played this year if they do get Florida in the second round. But um, I think it's a very winnable game for Ohio State. So like, we we would create the narrative because it would be fun to see those two teams on the floor together again after all these years. But I think they played against not sense. nearly the same kind of magnitude. They played they played in the um, NIT. Thad's uh, second to last. Oh, year. I thought they were playing. They played a, pr- a non-conference game. Uh, a few. They did. Yeah. Yeah. A few yeah they did after after that um, national championship game. They they did play, but they played in the NIT second round oh. NIT game in, in Columbus. That Ohio State lost. Um, Thad's second to last year. Um, okay, yeah. I'm going to ask some bigger picture questions after this, but and I, I already mentioned this before, but. We don't have Duke. We don't have Kentucky. Kansas lost eight games this year. North Carolina is an eight seed. Um, 
we always talk about what you need on your college basketball roster to win a national championship, and we always used to say two lottery picks. And, like, I don't know that Ohio State has one. Um, In a year where it's just been a weird COVID year uh, without these super mega talented teams, and I know that people think Gonzaga might go undefeated for the first time since Indiana did it during the Stone Age. But, like, is this the type of year that Ohio State needs if it's ever going to have a chance to – to win a championship in the modern era of college basketball? Like, is this the type of bracket where you can look at it and say, hey, this team is way above average, and there's no, like, world beaters waiting for them that has, like, the number one lottery pick waiting? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think I get what you're saying. I I do think this has this has become, like, a real opportunity for them to, to do that when no one expected them to. I don't – I think I would push back a little bit on, like, what it takes to win in college basketball now. Like, I don't think it's – it's the one-and-done era is coming to an end. Um, but even even though it's not totally over yet, I still don't think that's what gets it done. If you look at who's won the national titles, it's been Virginia and Villanova. And that those teams have had NBA players on them for sure, but they're not teams that are just full of one-and-done. Does Ohio freshmen. State have an those NBA player on its roster? Um, EJ Liddell might be. Yeah. Okay. I don't – like, honestly – I think like people's opinion is probably very mixed on this. I think Dwayne Washington has a shot because he can score. I don't think he can defend in the NBA, but he can score the shit out of the ball. So I think he might have a shot. But EJ Liddell is a mismatched um, interior player who can shoot threes. Yeah, I think I think he could maybe get to the NBA. Um, but I, I think he's a good name to bring up because I think more and more that's what it's about. It's about like where can you create mismatches, and and EJ Liddell is probably one of the top. 10 to 15 mismatch players in college basketball right now because he's a six seven five man who who's shooting the three-pointer at, at an incredible rate right now and you have to respect it and when you do that he's also skilled enough and agile enough to put the ball on the floor and blow by you get foul get to the rim um he needs to be a little more efficient i think he was tired in that game uh, against illinois the other day and and wasn't at his most effective and, and i think everyone associated with ohio state will tell you that but when he's fresh he's he's uh he was a first team all big 10 selection for a reason he earned it um he's really good and i think those players more than i mean not more than like if obviously if you have like zion williams like williamson um obviously you have a shot to win a national title a better shot than you would with ej liddell but i just don't think that's the way that this game goes anymore. It's about having older guys. It's about having mismatch problems. And Ohio State's pretty old. It's the oldest team Chris Holman's had, and they have some guys that are tough to guard. So I, like, it's not. This isn't the ceiling for them. Like this isn't as good as they're ever going to be under Chris Holman. I think they're going to get a little bit better than this. Um, but they've somehow ended up in this position where they have what I think is like a realistic chance to at least get to like the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, national championship in basketball is not shouldn't be like talked about the way it is in football. Not just from an Ohio State standpoint, because Ohio State's football team's always got a shot, but I think just winning the basketball tournament in general is just harder. I feel like it's like... Yeah. But the thing I wanted to ask big picture, though, is Ohio State basketball, and at least from an outsider, because you cover it intimately, you know what's going on. Uh, You were on the road with them last year. Uh, But I always have felt like Ohio State has never really recovered from losing Thad. Or or, Or the enthusiasm was higher when Thad... And obviously when you have Greg Oden and Mike Conley and you're playing for multiple Final Fours and playing for a national championship, it's it's different. But let's say Ohio State does get to the Final Four this year. Do you think that that could be the catalyst for A, more interest, uh, B, more 
recruiting where you might get a lottery pick or a one-and-done caliber player before the rule goes or players that are close to the NBA as possible after the rule passes. And, like, do you think, like, this could be, like, a way to maybe turn the page on, like, oh, I miss the Thad years? Or do you think I'm wrong about the Thad thing altogether? All, all no, I don't I don't think you're wrong. And I, I think this could be – the thing with Thad teams, and this is just, like, my outside view on it because I didn't cover – the large majority of Thad's tenure, I just I watched it from afar when I was watching college basketball. But what, what I think Thad had was stars, like National Player of the Year caliber players who were going to be first-round NBA draft picks with Odin and Conley and Turner and, and Selinger and those guys. And they like they they brought you through the door, and then when you got there, you like fell in love with David Lady and John Diebler and Aaron Kraft and those guys, and like like a real affinity was built for those teams because of that. He had a really good mix. He, he Thad had mixes that I think are hard to replicate because I I don't think it's easy to get an older team with really good role players who are talented, but like are, are role players combined with like transcendent lottery kind of talent like I think that's hard to build and that's like what every coach I think kind of strives for and many of them come short of that and Thad did it for like a decade um and I think when you have that it's just something special people gravitate towards it um this team I think is fun to watch but there's not like a household name that I think can like get the casual basketball fan just to sort of start paying attention organically like people will pay attention now because they're a two seed and they're in a tournament this is when everyone who's a casual basketball fan starts paying attention to it but I would say, like, throughout the course of the season, especially when they won 10 of 11, they won seven in a row. This was a really fun team to watch. And maybe part of it was, like, it was a weird year. There were no fans in the building. But I don't think they really ever capture anyone's attention the way you would expect. And I and I agree with you. There seems to be less of a connection between the program and the fans. And, and maybe the only way to get that back is to have the kind of success that Thad had by going to national championships and Final Fours and Sweet Sixteens and winning five Big Ten titles. But the personalities kind of thing that you said is interesting because – But I think the personalities matter too. And like they've not – like do I, I think Dwayne Washington is a, is a really big personality, and but he's also a player who like drives you nuts. Um, and like EJ Liddell is a good player, but I don't. he's not on that level yet. Maybe he could be next year. And they just haven't had that. Like maybe DJ Carton was going to become that, and we'll never know because he left after one year. But they just they haven't had that. Like Jay Sean Tate, Kate Bates, they out really solid players, and like not quite that kind of guy. So they haven't had that. And, yet. I, and I know that like getting Greg Oden and Mike Conley Jr. in the same class is like lightning in a bottle. Um, but he got D'Angelo Russell. They got Costa mm-hmm. Kufos. They got BJ Mullins. You know they got guys that were they had a lot of one and dones during the Thad era. Is Ohio State? basketball program and maybe Holtman just isn't recruiting that way from like a desire standpoint but is like Ohio State ever going to be the destination for a legit one and done star ever again like it's it seems yeah it could be I think so well the, the thing the thing about that is like Thad came to Ohio State like kind of with Greg Oden and Mike Conley like in his pocket <laughs> And then, like, Jared Sullinger happened to be born in his backyard, yeah. and Costa Kufos and B.J. Mullins were also from Ohio. So it's like part of the answer to that question is they haven't had three first-round NBA centers born in Ohio yeah. <laughs> since Chris Holmes. Well, I know, but, like, D'Angelo here. Russell, for instance, like, nobody – like, was D.J. Carton right. as a recruit, D'Angelo Russell as a recruit, or was D'Angelo a step no. ahead? A, a significant step yeah. ahead. Yeah, so it's like yeah. how do you get D'Angelo – because D'Angelo Russell, that was the last year I covered basketball full-time. And, like, I travel with the team to every game that year. And, like, D'Angelo Russell's a freaking star. And, like, he was awesome to watch. He was fun to talk to. And, like, the team was fine. It wasn't great, but 
it had a chance to advance to the Sweet 16. They played a very good Arizona team. He didn't play his best game. But, like, it just, to me, this is a fun team to watch, but there's no reason to turn the TV. There's no one player that makes you say, hey, i got to turn the TV on. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that's fair. And I, I do think they can land a player like that. If you, if you follow their recruiting, they've not made that kind of splash yet. Um, but they've also kind of like, – I, I, don't, I don't know how much this matters. It sounds silly because if we were talking about the football team in these terms, people would think we're nuts. But, like, they're like in the thick of the recruiting for Chet Holmgren, who's, like, the best player in the next recruiting class. I don't think they're going to get him. I think he's going to go to Gonzaga. But he's like he's like Chris Depp's Porzingis. He's like he's a seven-foot long as – whatever guard basically and like they've done a very good job to position themselves well in that recruitment i don't think it's going to end with them getting a commitment but they're close and the fact that they're close to me is impressive because like for that kind of kid to like to seriously consider this means that like chris holman is doing something right with this program and it makes me think that like a breakthrough in recruiting is coming but i like when that's going to be i, I couldn't tell you maybe it'll happen with another big man there's a five-star center named efton reed they're recruiting too who's who's a uh not quite the same player a slight step below that but he's still a five-star prospect and like if they get that kid to come i think that that's the kind of breakthrough you're looking yeah. for he's yeah. not a guard he's not a he's not a, a guy who's going to wow you with the ball in his hands like d'angelo but it just would, might be a different still it might just NBA be a player. different plan because as somebody if anybody who's listened to me on more than one podcast knows when we talk about football all i care about is the stars and the talent on a roster and like in football if you don't have elite level talent you can't win a national championship but and I used to think that you needed two lottery picks to win a national championship in basketball, so that was kind of related. But the more I think about it, the veteran teams, the teams that know how to play together with the chemistry, the ball movement, you know where the players are going to be. And that's the thing that the 07 Florida team had. I mean, they had lottery players. They had Joe Kim Noah on that roster and Corey Brewer and wasn't Al Horford, Al Horford. on that team? Like, I mean, yeah. But they also played together so well, and that was the thing that the 2011 Ohio State team that lost to Kentucky in the Sweet 16 somehow had. And it's just like Ohio State's team this year, though not having a D'Angelo Russell or a Jared Sullinger, this is the type of team that might just be really good for college basketball. And it's like, can you win a national championship in college basketball with a bunch of four-star and three-star prospects? I, th- I think the answer might be yes. I think it is too. I think I think there's like a little like Wisconsin kind of Bo Ryan formula to this. Uh, but I, but I do think that Ohio State's going to be able to attract that five star prospect every now and then. Maybe that that a team like Wisconsin could have. But I think Chris Holman very much wants to get guys who can develop in his program for multiple years. Um, and maybe to do that, you have to recruit some lower rated players to keep your roster in that kind of position. I'm not saying like he's willingly passing on five star prospects to take four and three star prospects. That's not the case. Um, but I do think that you know if he could have it his way and like guarantee it, I think he would much rather be a program like a Villanova that's built its program through development, not through recruiting yeah. a bunch of one and done freshmen. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I, I uh, you know the fact that there are two seed and the fact that a Final Four route seems to be there makes this entertaining to me. And I know that we can tell through the metrics that people are far more interested in football, but, you know, in March, at any point that you're going to, like, hop on the bandwagon, this is always it. And if this team has a chance to play in a Final Four game, that puts Ohio State back on a level, on a playing field that they hadn't been in years. And that, I think, is a legitimizing thing for Chris Holtman, even if he's benefited a little bit from the fact that the field isn't stacked with a bunch of Zion Williamson teams. (laughs) But, you know, that's college basketball. And 
you know, I think that they've got a really gritty team. Like Kyle Young is like John Diebler now, all of a sudden, just shooting threes and uh, is a kind of a scrappy player. Um, I, I like the veteran leadership. Um, EJ Liddell, like you said, is versatile. I don't know anything about basketball. I just keep trying to sound like I do, but it seems like I had fun watching them. I do when when they're when they're at their be- like their best is really fun, and and what's maddening about them is they have stretches where they get away from that and it can be kind of ugly and um, they've had some trouble closing out games, but maybe the fact that they were down seventeen and rallied against Illinois, which might be the best team in the country, and and pushed that game to overtime and had a chance to win it means maybe they've they've started to turn a little bit of a corner in that way too. Um, but yeah, their their best is is. Their best is the best Ohio State basketball I've seen since I started covering the team, which was in that NIT year, which was like the Mickey Mitchell, Austin Grandstaff year. Um, So, like, the bar has been pretty low, but I do think this team is fun. And, uh, yeah, they have a path here to to go on a run. So, like you said, hop on the bandwagon. I'm I'm writing a story about Dwayne Washington that's going up on The Athletic on Wednesday. You can click on that, sign up for a dollar if you're not signed up already. Talk with Dwayne, talk with Jake Diebler um, about sort of Dwayne's growth and how I think he can be, become a guy that people might kind of fall in love with here in the tournament if he plays well because he has that kind of personality. So yep. they play on Friday, tip at 3 o'clock against Oral Roberts. Ohio State football begins spring practice on Friday as well, March 19th. Uh, we're not going to do a bunch of basketball stuff, but we thought it was worthwhile talking about them going into the tournament we'll see what happens with them this weekend it'll be a whole lot of football moving forward as, as the Buckeyes get into spring practice so thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week 